see you? Do you breathe purple and gold? Are you ready to hoist the colors? Now, time for the most in-depth look at the world of ECU athletics. Welcome in to Hoist the Colors with your host, Stephen Igo on 94.3 The Game. Watch the show live on Facebook and at 94.3thegame.com. Now, here's your host, Stephen Igo. All right, welcome in to Hoist the Colors on this Friday edition of the show. Excited about today's program as we've got a lot to get to. Basketball, huge game coming up inside Menji's Coliseum on Saturday afternoon between the ECU Pirates and the SMU Mustangs. We will preview that. We also have Joey Football in studio. He's back. Uh, yeah, I did not take the Alabama head coaching gig. So you're officially back. The grass, did you get interviewed, though? Yeah, I did. Grass is always greener in Greenville. I'm sticking around. There we go. He is officially Official. a member of Team Boneyard for our ready audience. He has donned the hat. He has been given permission to take this hat home I as have, well. I have. So you are officially it's cleared a member of Team Boneyard. Are go. you Are you a contributor to Team Boneyard yet or just a hat? I, I want to say I threw in five at one point during one of the uh, – the breaks. I don't remember which one it was. It might have been when we first started up last in July or August. It was like, yeah, let me let me support the boys. Uh, obviously, as a broke college student, some things are on the uh, back burner, so to speak, as far as contributions come. But donating to NIL money is, you know, yeah. you got to have some extra income for that. Got to gotta have a little bit. You know, I wasn't necessarily good enough to get blessed by Team Boneyard when I was playing, so have to kind of put that one on the back burner to contribute myself. Well, it's good to have you back. We'll talk NIL and uh, Team Boneyard, maybe some more transfer additions here shortly. We also have Philip Pilkington. He is producing today. Philip, how's it going, man? Oh, it's good. A little, little busy in here. It's been a busy day, but it's, it's good. Glad to be here. Is it ever not a busy day for us? Uh, you're not really. Maybe in, like, July. July no. is the one downtime. I, I don't even think we have downtime in July because normally we're writing about position previews. This is true. Position previews, position previews are a staple of July. Opponent previews. Opponent previews. Recruiting. Steven Igo calling kids quality walk-ons. Quality walk-on season is in July. <laughs> uh, summer workouts. Summer but, uh, workouts. Uh, yeah, so July, well, well, long time between now and then. But uh, lot of time left. All right, let's talk basketball, guys, to start with. We are going to make our NFL playoff picks. We'll have updated selections and uh, standings there as we continue to make our picks. College football season over as uh, Michigan wins it all. And uh, ECU was able to play the national champion and lose to them. I guess that's something. But it is what it is. So let's talk some basketball. As basketball, college basketball will really take the forefront. And you guys just wrapped up the interview with Coach Schwartz. He mm-hmm. met with the media about 30 minutes ago. So uh, any big takeaways from that, Joe, as East Carolina gets ready to take on SMU tomorrow inside Menjis? I mean, obviously the first thing you're going to hear is a lot of respect for SMU. But this is a, a lot team of respect. that he talked about has five losses this season. Three of them came in one possession games. So he said they could be a top 25 team. You're looking at a possible 13-2 and two season. Right now they're sitting at 10-5. and five. This is a very good basketball team with two great scores. They're much improved from a year ago, and they have a good challenge ahead. This is a defensive team that likes to do those things and limit you in transition and stop you from shooting the long ball, which is exactly what East Carolina is built off. SMU, yeah, one of the best defensive teams in the country. And really, after a bad 2023, uh, excuse me, 2022-2023 season, I always get the basketball double seasons mixed up. Um, They are... 
in good shape this year, guys. They're honestly in the mix for an at-large, and it's very early, mm-hmm. but they're 9-5. and five. 38, top 40 in the net rankings uh, for the NCAA. They are the second highest team in the net behind FAU. FAU is 25, SMU 38, Memphis down to 52. ECU, if you're wondering, is at 196. They were outside of the top 200 before beating Temple. So this will be one of the best teams ECU faces this season. They split last year. ECU went home and then lost in Dallas. But, uh, Phillip, I think this is the, for me, Look, this is a good Saturday tip-off time. Students are back in town. You're coming off two straight wins. There's no excuse for there not to be a good crowd on Saturday, right? No, I couldn't agree more. When I when I I thought last week Sunday was a great crowd um, for a Sunday afternoon, week 18 of the NFL. There was a lot going on. Um, it's Sunday. It's always less, so it's harder for people from out of town to make it. So, and that was a phenomenal crowd. So I, I don't see why it wouldn't be this week. It's definitely the more electric opponent out of the two that we're going to see in this two, brief two-game homestand as they will welcome North Texas on Wednesday. And the fact that, you know, to your point, they've won two games in a row. One of those is on the road. This is their chance to win three games in the conference in a row for the first time since joining the American and the opportunity to start three and one for the first time since, as Patrick mentioned on our video feed earlier, and we'll mention on the radio later, they haven't started three and one since he was a freshman in college here. This is a big opportunity. This is a team that's playing well. They're scoring the basketball better than I think they could have hoped. They're playing defense at the level that they believe that they are, and they're playing a team that is very good defensively as well. And in those defensive gritty games you need the crowd behind you. This is a huge opportunity, Pirate Nation. I understand there's an NFL playoff game at 4:30, but is anybody really a Browns or a Texans fan? Anyways, come on, come out, support the Pirates. We need at least 5,000 at this game. All right, we got Phillips' video feed up today. It looks like you're in the Matrix, man. There's like all these that's, like that's what I'm saying. There's like all these things going on behind He's you. Behind <laughs> himself too. It's just a, just a really crazy going, looking thing going looking on. Looking at himself straight away. It's a cool setup in there. A lot, lot of stuff going on. Kind of gives you the idea that Philip is a really busy man behind the glass, which he is. And uh, we appreciate your hard work twisting all those dials and making it work behind the glass. As he's kind of like a DJ exactly. in the Matrix, so he's doing his thing back there, setting up multiple cameras. All right, so looking forward to the game tomorrow. And here's my concern with this game, guys. ECU. First off, they've never won three games in a row in the American. So that is my concern in the That is a cause for concern. Uh, It still just boggles my mind. But ECU had a very efficient offensive game from R.J. Felton, Mm -hmm. Ezra Sarr, Brandon Johnson. Not, you know, that's pretty typical of Brandon Johnson. He's efficient. R.J. and Ezra are high-usage offensive players that usually are not necessarily consistently efficient. No, they take a lot of shots, and they don't always make them. Right. Like, RJ has a tendency to go, like, 5 of 15. Mm-hmm. In the last game, I think he was, like, 8 of 12 yeah, or something like that. 12 sounds right. So, I doubt you're going to get, especially against a good SMU defensive team, that much of an efficient offensive game, again, from your, your big three. So, how do you combat that? you got to have, A, a great defensive effort. Mm-hmm. got to hold them probably to the 60s, I would think. And then to me, you got to have somebody else step up yeah. and score some points. So, what do you think about that, Joe? Just you're probably not going to get that offensive effort mm-hmm. again. So, how do you find a way to, to, to come out on top at home? 
I think the first thing you have to do is realize that you have to win the rebounding battle. This is a team that's top 10 in offensive rebounding in the country, and when you have those second-chance opportunities like that, that's where the points are going to come. When you're playing a team like this who's probably going to hold you to 65 points max, in my mind I'm seeing 65-63 type win, one-possession game just because of how this is going to be built out. You need to win those second-chance attack points, and you need to get on the boards. Brandon Johnson likes to play a lot in the wing. This week we're going to have to see him play underneath a little bit more. Got to be that guy underneath the post. Callum looked great last, uh, I think it was Tuesday or Wednesday. The Temple game Wednesday, yeah, yep. Wednesday. So look great against Temple. I mean, he's getting his feet back underneath him. He starts to look the part again like a center. If you can get those two big guys down low, somebody comes up and on the wing. I mean, you're going to miss Quentin. He's still out a little bit. He could give you that kind of pop as far as a bench guy who could give you seven points out of the break, try and even things out. But I think it just comes down to second-chance points between Brandon and Callum. All right, so we got audio from Mike Schwartz, and uh, let's run that as Philip gives me the thumbs up, you guys were over there, and uh, let's hear what Mike Schwartz had to say uh, after practice today. Really good SMU team uh, coming in here. I think as good as a team as we've faced all season long. Uh, right, honestly, I think they're a top twenty-five caliber team. You look at their schedule. Uh, so much respect for Rob Lanier, their coaching staff, and their players. Um, they, they're, they're sitting here at ten and five with three one possession losses. So could he very well be 13-2 and two and have won games, you know, first Florida State, West Virginia, uh, just a really good team. The Memphis game, the first uh, conference game, I mean, had an opportunity to go into Memphis and win that game and obviously lost on the last second shot. So just a very, very good ball club. I know wins count all the same. They're all one win. But when you see a team that prides themselves on defense a lot like your team as a coach, do you get a little extra giddiness to measure yourself against a team that mirrors yours so much? I get a little bit more nervous about our offense. We play a team that is that good on defense. Um, no, they're, they're a great defensive team. I mean, 36% field goal percentage defense, holding teams. I mean, they're, they're top defensive team in the country, what they're doing uh, in terms of points allowed, uh, field goal percentage, the way they guard the three-point line. Um, so... Yeah, no, I mean, obviously we just had practice, and we really just got a one-day prep, a true one-day prep uh, versus them. But we know, again, this is as good as a team as we've seen all season, and particularly on defense. Last game, it seemed that you guys let up 10 offensive rebounds, but it seemed every offensive rebound you let up, it wasn't a quick bat, quick shot attempt. Your defense got to set up and force them to rerun their half-court offense. SMU offensive rebounds very well. Is there anything you can take from that game, or is it a total different situation because they don't get a lot of their offensive rebounds on the three ball? Great point. Exactly. Totally different situation. Temple was the highest volume three-point shooting team in the conference, number 13 in the country. We knew going into that game, long shots, long rebounds. So a lot of those rebounds were around the elbow, were at the three-point line. They were loose balls going away from the rim. We're about to play a team that's the 13th best offensive rebounding team in the country, and they do it with big forwards, big guards, post players, and they rebound around the basket, and they put it back in. So we understand what a challenge that is, but it is two totally different types of offensive rebounds. But at the end of the day, Regardless of the defense that's played, you have to secure the defensive rebound, and it's going to be a real challenge for us you know, Saturday afternoon because of how good SMU uh, hits the offensive boards. Coach, you got shot real well the other night, on, and uh, you know, it ended up being a win. Do you, do you feel like that's something that can kind of carry from game to game, or is it just a every night see what kind of happens thing? If I knew the answer to that question and I could predict that we would shoot the ball again Saturday, I promise you we'd do it. 
Uh, you hope so. The name of, in the end of the day, the name of the game is the ball going through the basket. And when you shoot the ball well, like we did the other night, I mean, it was it was great. Obviously, I mean, Cam Hayes makes threes, Brandon makes threes, Bobby makes threes. I'm um, probably forgetting, you know, somebody in there. RJ makes threes. You know, we put the ball in the basket and we shot at a high percentage. We shot over 50 percent, and we haven't had many games where we've shot it like that. So. We work on it every day. The guys put time in the gym on their own. We work on it in practice. And, you know, it paid off the other night. It, unfortunately, it's no guarantee what's going to happen tomorrow afternoon. Uh, but, yeah, sure, you know, I hope we shoot the ball well again. Phelps, Phelps decided to come back, and then Chuck Harris got added to that roster. And that's a pretty good backcourt. So what kind of challenges do they face with your backcourt? Yeah, I think it is as good of a backcourt as yours in this league. I mean, you talk about Zurich Phelps, and we know I mean, he can go score it on all three levels, and he's a dynamic driver. He plays. He's got incredible speed and transition. Uh, he can just score the basketball as good as anybody. Gets downhill, and then Chuck Harris is shooting the ball really well. He can get downhill. I mean, he's a, a can play with the ball in his hands, can play off the ball. I mean, the, and, and they got B.J. Edwards from, from Tennessee who, who, who holds it all together for them. I mean, he's averaging, you know, four assists a game, and he, and he does a good job. And then they got forwards and bigs. You got Sam Williamson that, you know, caused us a lot of problems last year. He's a talented former McDonald's All-American that can really score the basketball at the four spot. So it isn't just Zurich and, and Chuck Harris. I mean, those two guys are dynamic guards, uh, but, but they're a complete ball club. How much has Cam Hayes kind of like shipped the rust off and starting to look like Cam Hayes? I, I think you know. I think you can definitely tell that uh, you know now whether it's five or six games, whatever he's in. I mean, I think you've seen the last two games. He he's much more comfortable playing. I, I've always said this. I give Cam so much credit because remember his very first game defensively on the ball versus Florida, he really impacted our team. And slowly but surely, you can see him getting more and more comfortable on the offensive end, playing with the ball in his hands, shooting the basketball. You mean, hits three huge threes for us the other night. He hit a big three versus Tulsa. You know, so that's a big thing for us. Uh, he got the ball. He drove the basketball versus Tulsa. So we know Cam, and I've said it in every press conference I've had, Cam can score the basketball. He can shoot the basketball. We have the ultimate confidence in him. We see him do it every day. It's just a matter of he was playing November, and we're in January, but I think he's catching up, no doubt about it. We know there's a difference in being in shape and being in basketball shape. Callum's obviously been cleared for five or six days now. How is his conditioning progressing? Yeah, you know, actually, I'm really proud of Cal because, he, you know, to be off that long, I mean, he was off for two-plus weeks prior to the break. He hadn't done anything. And he came back, and I thought in his first practice he was cleared. He, we pushed him. He played in the game versus Temple. I thought he gave us good minutes. I thought he was good in practice today. He's definitely, obviously, as you said, he's not back to where he's going to be. Uh, but I'm really proud proud of Cal. I'm excited to have him back, and, you know, he's going to help us. All right, welcome back in the Hoist of Colors. That was Mike Schwartz, the voice of the ECU men's basketball head coach again. 4 p.m. tip-off, big game inside Menji's Coliseum. Should be a good crowd on hand. Even Winston Wright Jr. was messaging me earlier asking how to get tickets. So the uh, okay. Florida State transfer will okay. be making his Menji's Coliseum there debut, it sounds like. Um so looking forward to that. And again, SMU, really good basketball team. You got the Mike Schwartz Robinier connection. They were both on staff together at Tennessee, so these guys know each other well. Should be a good matchup tomorrow. Looking forward to that. All right, let's switch gears, talk ECU football real quick. We have not had a chance to discuss this with Joey Football. Looks like Jake Garcia, although not a hundred percent official, it's basically ninety nine point nine percent official. 
Uh, he will be transferring to ECU barring something happening at the last minute. So he'll be in the quarterback room. He will be the second quarterback transfer joining Caden Hauser. And uh, the we, we said all along that ECU had to add a second quarterback transfer because of what's in the room now. It sounds like Alex Flynn, I know he was in the team meeting, so he's mm-hmm. still with the team right now. We'll see how this news changes that. But uh, to me, you had to get two guys, and they got two guys. And what, what was kind of your initial thoughts on it? Yeah, I mean, this is about the best you can do, considering the circumstances. You want somebody who has that kind of experience and has been through the fire. And unfortunately for Garcia, he hasn't necessarily played, but he has been in multiple programs. He knows how things operate. He knows how to be the older guy in the room and kind of guide you in those situations. You're bringing in Hauser. Hauser's a redshirt freshman. He's going to be a little green as far as that goes. I mean, you're looking at somebody who's young. He hasn't led the program yet. He hasn't been that guy in the room. And then you go to Garcia, who is, I don't know what year he's in technically eligibility-wise, but has been in college now for a good bit, knows how to operate, knows how to treat a room, knows how to handle that kind of thing. And with John David Baker being the quarterback's coach now, as your offensive coordinator, I really like the move. There's no career backups in college. What's interesting is all – Three of the guys, if you count Flynn, have played about the same mm-hmm. because Flynn started nine games. Uh, Hauser last year started the last seven games. And then Garcia in 22 at Miami played in eight games with yeah. one start. So, like, they have all kind of played the same amount and they've all been very up and down in mm-hmm. tough situations. And for me, it's all right, who's going to now, who, who has the most talent, A? And then who's going to be the best fit for John David Baker's system? Right. So, like, this spring is going to be. A lot of fun to watch. It's going to be an exciting spring for sure. I mean, I don't know how many <laughs> scrimmages are going to be right. open to the public this year after the whole Connor Stallions thing and, and those kinds of things. I don't know what the NCAA is going to rule in that case because I think it was one when I was playing was allowed open to the public, and that was the spring game. And even then it was just no recording, no media, no nothing like that. People were allowed to be there. So we're going to hear a lot of things. I'm sure we'll get a little bit more of a sight just between some practice photos or something like that and try and decipher it. But there's going to be a lot of competition that people aren't expecting. To me, this has to be a true competition, Joe, yeah. at least between – you know, like, I don't know what's going to happen with Flynn. I mean, JDB didn't recruit Flynn, but he, he recruited Hauser, recruited Garcia. Like last year – Mason Garcia got the number one reps. There was mm-hmm. not a true competition. So, like, to me, don't you at least have to start with the guys getting 50-50 number one reps? Like, if you want to have a true competition and make it to where a guy has to go win it, doesn't that need to be the approach? Uh, yes and no. There are certain situations where if you have a guy, like, you might go Garcia or Flynn because they have more experience as far as like being in that kind of program and then the throwing and all those skill development things kind of play into that as well. But from what we used to do, you'd kind of run with different squads each day and see how you meshed. Either you were with the ones today, the twos or the threes, and then see how you can command that. And then from there you'd move up. But that's never an indication. If you go two fields, you can go an A field and a B field. You're just kind of getting different guys, seeing how things mesh together. But I don't think it necessarily needs to be 50-50. You could have one guy be the starter one day, one guy be the starter the next, and one guy be the starter the next after that, and then see who kind of handles that pressure as far as the one, and then from there make your decision on who's one, two, and three going into your scrimmages. And then you're going to have the moving parts around them. Like you got to figure yeah. out the offensive line. you got the guys coming back. You've added some transfers. you know, you got the incoming receivers. you got mm-hmm. receivers coming back. Running back room, we don't really know. Like Rajay would be the favorite, but to me that needs to be an open competition too. Got so like young tight ends now, tight that ends, some real experience. Add an older tight end too. So it's like yeah, it's just a lot to sort through. <laughs> There's never 
Uh, a You're going to need more than 15 spring practices, I feel yeah. like. You might have to squeeze in some extra workouts. Just don't tell anybody yeah, about Yeah, no it. coaches allowed. Two yeah. days. What'd Two days? Two days, baby. Ah, no, they outlawed that these days. So now you just have uh, to have like said, optional like coach, skill yeah. development. Yeah, it's optional skill development, and your butt better be there. And then you have a third one where the coaches yeah. show up. Then it's the like, offensive coordinator like may school. or may not be standing on the roof like this. Yeah. I don't know if you guys did it, Joe, but in like high school, I remember like first week of January, we had like 40 dudes show up. There were no coaches. The coach didn't even know about it. Like seriously, didn't know about it until like somebody mentioned in the weight room, hey, we're practicing today. Because <laughs> seriously, it was just a text that like went on yeah, over Christmas break, and then the coach was like, "Oh, you know, I might have to rearrange the weight room, which I can see the practice field from the weight room." You know, that's that's what's gonna have to be. There's definitely the text you get in the group chats, like, "Hey, coaches want us to throw today, but they can't be out there." But that's not nothing against it. There's no rule against optional skill development or anything like that. Holden was really good at kind of getting those guys together. I've heard uh, that Hauser has already kind of organized a few mm. of those as well, so that's a good sign. By the way, there was a coach, Ruff McNeil, hired that had to get fired because he was watching special teams optional drills behind the bushes. So Behind the bushes? Behind the bushes. Behind the bushes. True story. That's uh, great. That's how you build a program. You have coaches right hiding in the bushes worried about kick-op times. That's what it's all that's about, man. That's what it man. takes. All right, let's get a break in. We got some questions on YouTube. We'll get to about the transfer rules and you know what happens if the quarterback loses the battle in the spring. Does one of them transfer out? So we'll get into that conversation a little bit. Uh, this is Hoist the Colors. We'll also talk about the coaching changes around college football and the NFL as well. We'll be right back on HTC on a Friday. Climb aboard as we set sail and hoist the colors. Back to the show with Steve and I go on 94.3 The Game. All right, welcome back into Hoist the Colors, Friday edition of the show, wrapping up the work week. we got a couple questions on YouTube here to answer. we got ECU-SMU tomorrow, Saturday, 4 p.m. inside Menji's. Fellas, who is going to be representing 94.3 The Game inside Menji's Coliseum? Dominic Kosolke. Yeah, Dom. Well, I'm in I, studio. Where are you guys going to be? I am the in-studio host for the ECU Sports Network. And Philip, My parents are going to be in town, so I'm going to be attending as a fan again. Wow, second straight weekend. Yeah. You were getting after it pretty good last time. So. I know, yeah. Well yeah. lubricated. Yeah, so it'll, it'll be fun. <laughs> I don't know if my parents have ever been to an ECU basketball game. They've been to a couple a, what, football games, been to some baseball games. So. What a one to be at. I know. Possibly <sighs> conference champion Smith. This yeah. is like, this worries me, guys. ECU basketball, when a game feels big. You do remember what happened in 2020, though. Houston? Yeah. Well, nobody, but nobody was there. We nobody beat the number it. one team in the country, I go. I think they were number five. Number five, yeah. Point is. They were, but they were number they one. They were one at one point. So who so all was there? Let's see. You were there, right? Uh, I was not there. I was uh, on vacation in Charleston. Was Wags there? Wags was there. We had one of our other interns there. Yeah. Ben Byram was there. Ben B. Baby. There was like five people there. Yeah. I think uh, Bailey was there and maybe Mark Lindsay, and that was, that was pretty we, much Mark it. Lindsay. We got out of a, either a spring ball practice or something like that because a bunch of guys were like on the glass like this trying to see in. That was just one of those magical games where ECU hit every open three, and that doesn't happen a lot. And... ECU in these types of games, home crowd hype, struggles to shoot the basketball. 
So they're going to have to find a way to either A, reverse that, or win a defensive game. Look, I would love to see it. I just get worried about these games. Maybe it's just me. I've seen it too often. I was worried. I've seen seen both sides, though. I was worried Wednesday they wouldn't win a road game, and they dominated the game. We beat Amani Bates in Memphis when they came with Penny Hardaway. Where's Amani Bates at now? Uh, Eastern Michigan, I think. Philip, look that up for us, if you don't mind. I think he's at Eastern Michigan. Uh, Casey Romaley says he'll be there. There we go. So he That's will be there for Hoist the Colors. And honestly, probably a bad thing, too, because when he shows up, the Pirates usually play bad. He was at NC State the Ouch. other day rooting for the Wolfpack. That turned out great for the Wolfpack. So maybe Kaysen is the problem. <laughs> um, all right. Just so, hey, Amani Bates did go to Eastern Michigan. He is now with the Cleveland Cavaliers. Wow. Is he playing? Oh, let's see. Was he in France last night? I feel like he's got to be in the G League. What, did they play a game in France yesterday? They played in France. They played the Nets in France. Uh, Paris Levert went off. You see how much I've been paying attention to Karis. the see what NBA. I did there. Oh, I'm seeing college career statistics. So, no. Probably not. Womp, right. womp. <clears throat> right side on YouTube says, with the transfer rules, could a player technically sign in December and transfer out by the fall? Yeah. Yeah. They could transfer out Half by the spring. Half oh. of them could transfer. Yeah, I mean, there's a lot of guys that have already there's no signed last December. Like Zion Agnew signed as a freshman last year. He's already gone. Yeah, he's at Lenore Ryan now. And there's been plenty. There have been guys who have signed in December, gotten on campus in January, and left by yeah. the, by what would have been today. The ad dropped it. They're just not cut out for it. Off topic, the Bates has played in 11 games this year. So it's like he's, they say he's active. I just don't think he dresses because you have, like, what, 15 active guys and only 12 get to play? I have no idea. That's what it is. So he's, he's played in a handful of games. There you go. Aaron Watson says, does the other quarterback transfer out after naming the starter? He's talking about between Garcia and Hauser. If I'm the coaching staff, I don't name one till yeah, preseason camp. What, what, no, I don't even think you name one in preseason yeah. camp. What's the first game? What time? It is Norfolk State. Either is that a nooner or is that a four o'clock? It won't be announced for a while. Whatever it is, whatever the time is, add one minute. That's the starter. That's that's how they'll play. Can it. we just not go through the thing where we name both guys a starter on the pregame mm. or the, the pregame video? Mm. <laughs> like last year, it was My starting at quarterback, Reese Carolina, Mason Garcia, and Alex Flynn. I think the video board should just say pick one. That would be, I would be fine with that. At least say or Ty Little. Ty Little is back. Nobody, maybe Ty we weren't talking about Ty Little enough, the walk-on quarterback. So, I don't know. It's uh, We'll see. But, yeah, you got to be careful because if you bring in both these guys and one of them leaves after spring, you're in the same exact situation Yeah, that you were in last I don't know. year, basically. I mean, the new rules are so different. Uh, does yeah. Garcia have another year after So, Garcia, Garcia is already a multi-time undergrad transfer, but he's transferring in this window, which yeah. allows him to be eligible but the NCAA may just push it so all multi-time transfers can transfer as many times as they want. That's supposed to be decided later on. But he well, technically has – You have two? He's got at least two, maybe three years of eligibility. Okay, so then he could transfer out because I was trying to think if it was in his cards to actually right. get into a program, but he has time. So he could, but I don't see it happening. We'll see what happens in spring, and uh, you know we'll see what happens for Raheem Jeter, Cole Hodge, Alex Flynn as well. So it should be an interesting spring nonetheless. All right, coaching changes. We've got a few minutes here if we've got to get a break. Nick Saban, Pete Carroll, Bill Belichick, all that news happening so quickly. Mike Vrabel. Mike Vrabel. What, 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 
What was the biggest surprise to you, if any? The biggest surprise had to be Vrabel. I mean, there have been talks now all season about Belichick moving on and the 24-year marriage ending in a divorce between him and Bob Kraft. Saban was always talks of the grind and how much longer could he do it. The Pete Carroll one was a surprise, but not necessarily unwarranted considering his age and they don't make the playoffs. I mean, he's done all you can possibly do as a coach, and same for Saban and the GOAT, which is Nick Saban and Belichick as a combo. But Vrabel was a shock. I mean, this is a guy who came off an AFC one seed at one point, had an MVP candidate at running back, won the division three times, and over the last two years, based on a new GM who didn't bring in the personnel he was hoping for, has kind of fought with different pieces. So I wouldn't have expected the words fired to have come across the desk, but we've heard that internally they tried to trade him and it was too complicated, so they just released him outright. Where do you think Vrabel ends up? Do you think there's a favorite, or is it just... Uh, it's, I, personally, Seattle makes a lot of sense. A good young defense like that with a player's coach who's now left and that kind of culture and the atmosphere of the locker room. The people in Philly are going to hate this one, but I think if Philly loses Monday, which I anticipate they will, I think Sirianni, they move on from him fairly quickly, and I think maybe Vrabel fits into that kind of culture with a player-led team and some older guys who know the business and are looking for that kind of uh, for that edge. That makes a lot of sense, and then it's going to sound crazy, and I know Phillip's probably going to punch a wall if I say this, but the Panthers. Panthers makes a lot of sense. It's not a team that has a great draft future, but there are pieces, and if there's one guy who can kind of handle Tepper and keep him at bay, I think it's Mike Vrabel. All right, Alabama still searching for its next head coach. There's been a lot of buzz about Kalen DeBoer canceling his local radio interview in Seattle for the uh, obviously the Washington head coach, so he's Seems to be in the mix. Yeah, as after I turned it down. Sorry, guys. Yeah, so Joe was candidate number one. We know Dan Lanning was candidate number two after Joe. Yeah, grass, grass always greener. Okay. Who do you think? Do you think it ends up being DeBoer? Do you think there's a shot Dabo at all goes there? Uh, K- Kiffin? I mean, wh- I think the, the Dabo days are done. Everybody yeah. who wanted Dabo, those, those dreams died two years ago when he gave up on NIL. And... Tommy Reese is the long shot internal candidate. I don't, I don't see that happening now with Bill moving on from New England. You could see a Bill O'Brien move again that brings him back to Alabama. He's got ties between both of those coaches. They know him well. I think the real runner in this is the sleeper, Michael Loxley from Maryland. He's done so much with so little. He was the offense coordinator for Alabama when they won two national titles. He has a great feel for what Saban did, how that program runs. I think he's got an outside chance to do it. I don't know if he wants to leave Maryland. Maryland's a great fit for him. Um, and it looks like Norvell is staying at Florida State based on the fact their director of athletics just tweeted smoke coming the, the out. Pope. Smoke coming out of uh for the, the handshake agreement. For those of you who don't know what is on this screen, when a new pope is selected, they have different colored ashes coming out of a smokestack. But when the same one stays around, that's what that is on Twitter. So Mike Norvell is staying at Florida State because they've not selected a new pope on this gif. It appears that everybody is just using this opportunity to get a, a raise. I would. Because Steve Sarkeesian just got a raise. Who Honestly, who wants to follow Nick Saban? Nobody. That is a brutal job. I mean, it's a great job, but it's a tough job. I've gotten yelled at. Is it still a top five job without saving? Now that the recruits are going to leave, you've got a 30-day window for them to leave whenever they want and be eligible immediately. Does it have the same weight it used to with Texas in the SEC now, with Georgia doing what Georgia does, with Oklahoma now coming to the SEC also? 
I mean, Lane Kiffin, you could go transfer and play in the SIP right now. Does it still have the same weight? I think if you hire the right guy, yes. Which yeah. I guess is. But if you hire Tommy Reese, I think no. that was bad for yeah. a long time. I mean, if, like, if Lane Kiffin went there, or if even Kayla DeVore went there, I feel like yeah. it stays there. But if it's Tommy Reese or whoever. James Franklin. If it's James Franklin, definitely not because they won't the win no, they won't win a single big game. No. So yeah, it'll be interesting to see. And then after that happens, you're going to have dominoes fall. Yeah. As a result, so this coaching carousel will continue on due to the timing of Nick Saban's departure. All right, let's get a break in. We'll come back. We'll transition to NFL playoff picks. We have got six games on Wild Card Weekend over a span of three days. We'll make those picks on the other side. This is Hoist the Colors on a Friday. We're live with Stephen Igo on 94.3 The Game. Hoist the Johnny Roger! Now, back to Hoist the Colors. It's Hoist the Colors on a Friday. It is time to make our NFL picks. We've talked East Carolina basketball, previewed that game, upcoming SMU, 4 o'clock. We've talked coaching changes. We've talked transfer portal. Let's talk about the playoffs, fellas. And let's do it by updating our standings. As uh, I think Philip may have just you, died behind this. You good? I didn't know glass. that picked up over the air. My mic was off. Sorry about that. Oh, no. Uh, I okay. think we just heard it. So maybe it was just so loud we heard it through uh, the door. Philip just almost collapsed back there coughing. Um, Flu game. Speaking of Philip, he is leading our picks. He is 97, 85, and 6. I'm three games behind 94, 88, and 6. Joe is seven games out of the lead, four games behind me, but he has steadily improved. Seven and four, nine and two, six and five, four and two. Is Don't call it a comeback. Over the last four weeks, he Don't is 90, 92 and six. Almost back to 500. Don't call it a comeback. And so we're going to make these picks through the playoffs. Six games this week. I've got ground to make up. Joe, you got to basically go perfect to have a shot. I got to go perfect to have a shot, realistically, that as good as Phillip has been. So let's dive right into it. The Browns are a two-point favorite at the Houston Texans. I could be coy here and go last, so I could always pick opposite of Phillip. But um, I don't know. These two teams playing the regular season at this location, the Browns crushed them. Yeah, but those are two very different teams, I mean, at the time. Were they, though? Wasn't Flacco the quarterback? I don't think Flacco was the quarterback. Yeah, right. That was P.J. Walker. I, look. I thought it was very recently. but I don't think it was that recent. Either way, I'm going Texans. I think the Flacco magic is bound to run out. I think Houston is going to play well in the opening round. I do love their defense, so that worries me, especially with Tankdale being out. But I'm going to go Houston at home. Yeah, it was Flacco, but Davis Mills was the quarterback for Texas. Ah, that's what it was. I knew there was an asterisk. C.J. Stroud back. Uh, give me the Houston Texans, Joe. Well, the smart pick would be follow I go, but I'm not smart. So I'm taking the Cleveland Browns. I think the Flacco magic continues. I think given what he has and if Amari Cooper can play and be what he was for Flacco before those last two games of the season, the Texans don't have an answer for him in the secondary. You could put Stingley on him, and then all of a sudden David Njoku is running free down the sidelines for 85 yards, and then Jerome Ford has been a revelation as far as running backs go for them. I like the Browns a lot, and I like them at home. Or on the road, I mean. Not in Cleveland. Philip. You know, right now, Tom Brady, <laughs> Tom Brady yeah, has seven 
road playoff wins in his career. That's tied for the most with Joe Flacco. Who's going to break Tom Brady's record on Saturday and get his eighth career road playoff victory? Give me the brownies. It's because Tom Brady never played playoff games on the road. True. This is extremely true. Um, and he never won in Denver in the playoffs. Nope. By the way, this game will coincide with ECU-SMU. If y'all had a gun to your head, had to watch one or the, over the other. ECU basketball or NFL playoffs? I'm thinking Pirate basketball. Phil- I might lose my job if I answer. Okay. My answer's for us, guys. Okay. I mean, then we know your answer. Yeah, I mean, you're already dead. You might as well just say the <laughs> truth. So, uh, All right, Dolphins, Chiefs, Chiefs four-and-a-half-point favorites. This line has gone up in favor of the Chiefs as the weather report has come out. It's supposed to be, what, like minus four windshield or something Possibly, crazy? Possibly they said to minus 30 with the wind God. now. It's supposed to be the coldest game ever recorded. And there have been some cold games in Lambeau. It's not going to be colder than the Ice Bowl. Ice Bowl was like negative 12. I'm Philip. I look it up. I'm so serious. Okay. The weather advisory is concerned it will be the coldest game ever played. Somebody died during the ice bowl in the stands. So nope. The Wolfman is still loose in Kansas City, so maybe he'll come back from bank robbing. So the Dolphins had their shot, guys, and they blew it. I mean, they had Again. their shot during the regular season, and they're definitely not going to win this game. And Again. I, I think the Chiefs are going to... Roll, uh, give me Chiefs minus four and a half, Joe. I have never seen the Dolphins play a good game above a team or against a team above five hundred, and I've never seen the Dolphins play a good game on the road this season. And never mind and when it is cold. minus thirty degrees in Missouri. I like the Chiefs. I like them a lot. I think that given what Pacheco was able to do during the season, the Chiefs have found their stride in the run game, and I think everybody's going to be concerned about Patrick Mahomes throwing across his body. That Pacheco goes for 110, Clyde Edwards-Alaire goes for 85, and the Chiefs win like 34-7. to Make it a clean sweep. We're all going, Casey. Steelers are at the Bills. This looks like another potential snow game, at least lead into the game. Bills, nine-and-a-half-point favorites. I like the Bills uh, to win the Super Bowl this year, guys, but... Nine and a half is a lot for a playoff game. And the Steelers, I know they're without Watts. They just seem to find a way to hang around in these type of games. So I'm going Steelers to cover Bills win. Joe? I feel the same way. The Steel City has my back on this one because Gabe Davis is out. Jordan Poyer is out. There is no bigger swing for what the Steelers needed than to have Poyer and Gabe Davis both be out. You have Watt out, but you still have Alex Highsmith able to do those things on the edge that gives your boy Cam Hayward a chance in the middle to cause havoc in the backfield. I think playoff Lenny goes home crying, the Bills freeze over, and the Steelers take it. Phillip. You know, I want to make fun of you for saying that, like I did on Patrick's show the other day when you picked the Steelers, but today you look like a thug that might put a cap on the side of my head because that's what you're dressed like right now. I don't think we can say that. I'm Cheddar Bob from 8 Mile. You know, I I said it. I I didn't use any of the seven words of radio that you can't use. So I'm not going to make fun of you for picking the Steelers to win outright, but uh, I do think the Bills went outright, but I think the Steelers cover. So give me the Steelers on the plus 9.5. So is that technically a consensus pick? Yeah. Yep. Ah, boy. And you, you have the Steelers outright. I have the Steelers outright. Wow. I believe. Mason Rudolph. A Rudolph no in the snow. Zero way Mason Rudolph beats Josh Allen in Buffalo. Have you seen Josh Allen play football? I mean, he'll. Josh he'll, Allen looks like he plays football blindfolded. He will throw two interceptions and then he'll make 10 spectacular plays. Yeah, and then the Steelers win like 27 24 on a field goal. 
I'll believe it when I see it. Packers at Dallas. Cowboys are favored by a touchdown. And they're at home, and so I'm not I'm not a big believer in this Packers team. I know they've played better down the stretch, but I'm going Cowboys here. I think they get it done by a touchdown or more. Joe? If there's two things that will always stay the same, the Cowboys don't win the playoffs at home, and Mike McCarthy doesn't win playoff games. Give me the Packers. I believe in the floor. I can't believe I'm picking Jordan Love, but I think the Cowboys are pretenders. Philip. I think the Cowboys cruise in this one. It's wild card round. That's the one round they can win it. Win yeah, it in. This is the one round they yeah, win. Yeah, I'm going Dallas. Well, remember what happened last time? The Packers went into Dallas. That was like Aaron Rodgers. That was, that was Jordan. Here's Love. the thing. You got you to also remember the last time they went into Dallas. It was the divisional round, and the Cowboys can't make the NFC Championship game. They haven't made the NFC Championship game since '95. If they win this week, they don't automatically go to the NFC Championship game. <laughs> the, the curse is not a wild card weekend. We'll curse. see. We'll I mean, hey, dude, they should have beat, beat the Lions the week before the Dez catch, or should have lost to the Lions, but the refs picked up the the pass interference call. They should have lost that. They all whine about the Dez catch. They shouldn't even have been there. They find ways to win in the wild card round, man. Rams at Lions. Speaking of the Lions, the Lions are favored by three. Matt Stafford returning home. This game scares me. If I'm a Lions fan, all the hype, first home playoff game in years, Matt Stafford coming back, you know he's just itching to light it up. But Jared Goff is also going to be very motivated. And I think Jared Goff is going to light up the Rams. Give me the Lions at home to cover the three. I'm taking Detroit. Yeah. Good people of Detroit hear me when I say this. This is your chance. This is your moment. Matt Stafford died for your sins. This is his comeback. This is the resurrection. But this time, Jesus doesn't come out of the tomb without a fight, and that's because the Lions take it to him. I've never seen a Lion beat a Ram in a fight, and that doesn't happen this week. Dan Campbell and MCDC's boys get it done. Give me the Lions. I am actually going to take the Rams to cover. Because I am predicting. <laughs> Why was that so polite? Because I am predicting a last-second game-winning field goal by the Lions. They win it by one, two, or three. I'm mm. thinking. I'm actually predicting we all push this. I think it's like 24-21 game-winning field goal. So I'm going to actually take the Rams to cover in this game, but the Lions outright. I do think this is probably the best line. This this is the best line. I mean, of yeah. the weekend. Uh, it's just hard to pick. Sports Samurai Chat Show, by the way, is weighed in. He says Cowboys by 17. You heard it here first. So he's on the Cowboys. Well, how'd you do that? Really looking forward to Rams-Lions. Really not looking forward to Eagles-Bucks. You're mean, right. I have zero interest in this game. What? You don't want to watch former Carolina Panthers quarterback <laughs> Baker Mayfield? No. I don't want to watch. I don't, I, I'll be honest, guys. I'm, I'm not going to watch this game. I'm going to watch Apple TV. I don't know what I'm going to watch on Apple TV, but I'm going to watch something on Apple is that TV. that a shameless plug? Instead, I, That's I don't a plug. Know. It is. Uh, instead, of, I just like Apple TV's setup. I don't know if y'all noticed it's, that. It's a great it's interface. It's just like a great interface, just, just, man. Like, actually, let's take a moment. It's a great interface. The boxes are a good size where you know what's going on. It feels on. good to scroll through Apple There's TV. There's a nice feel for it. I agree. It this doesn't is, feel good to scroll through this is a good take. bucks. It's a good take. Uh, I'm going to let y'all pick this game first. Joe. Baker Mayfield. Eagles by three is the line. Baker Mayfield and the Bucks. The Philly, Philly, Philly is dead. The Pretenders are alive, and Rocky would be ashamed to see the Eagles do what they have done. Ever since they lost to the New York Jets, they have looked 
down. Down on everyone else. And what's happened? Rain, sleet, or snow, the Eagles train to lose. Jalen Hurts gets his butt kicked. I watch Baker Mayfield throw for three touchdowns. Mike Evans goes for 100 yards. And the Buccaneers walk the Eagles off the field in Raymond James. Phillip. My Anson Belton buckle lock of the week is... What are you, Vince Papali? Yeah, I guess. I don't know. I'm picking the Eagles, though. I, I, they bounce back, man. They cruise. Is Jalen Hurts his finger okay? He hasn't thrown a football since he dislocated it. It'll be fine. I've played with a dislocated finger before. You to pop back Were you in. a quarterback? No. But, in the National know. Football League? No, but I did. it was a playoff game. Unless they're running 45 <laughs> brotherly shoves for 450 yards, there's no, there's no shot. You have to throw the ball. Against Todd Bowles, might I add, is one of the better defensive coaches that have been around in the last 10 years. Won a Super Bowl as a coordinator down there with this same squad, might I add. I guess just rolling his eyes at both of them. No, I, I go is actually currently <laughs> I'm actually Google for something. Jalen Hurts' finger. <laughs> it's as, it's uh, bad. If yeah. your finger goes like this, that's not how it's supposed to look. Hey, man, he's a winner. I'll right. find a way to win. Yeah, okay. I still haven't made my pick, but let's do some behind the scenes here. So Philip just texted me and said, let's go three segments. <laughs> what time does that mean? What time do we need to get out of here? 5320. Oh, okay. so I have two minutes to rant. Yeah. All right, so we'll just do that. So we'll wrap up the show here. You know what? Uh, Answer belt and buckle lock of the week. Baker Mayfield, two touchdowns. Mike Evans, 100 yards. Lock it. I'm reading this, and I'm just – J. Clark NBCS says, I'm told Jalen Hurts did not throw the ball much at all, if at all, yesterday. I'm, I'm what a tweet, you. by the way. Much at all, if at all. If at all. This is a tough injury. Hopefully he will be able to throw before heading into the game. And if they he can't even throw the football. That's my point. <laughs> he can't even throw. Marcus Mariota's going to start a playoff game for you? And Bell it? and Buckle Lock of the Week. I'm with Joe. Tampa Bay Buccaneers win outright. And the Buccaneers somehow will move into the divisional round as the NFC South craptastically wins a playoff game. So give me the Bucks. God, disgusting oh, that I just did that. So we got dueling Anson Belton buckle locks. Yeah. Mainly because I forgot that I was supposed to make an Anson Belton <laughs> buckle pick. But <laughs> had to I, wait till the end. <laughs> if you if you Google Jalen Hurts finger, it's bad. A lot of bad stuff coming up here. This this isn't. I don't even know the last time. Would have been when Marcus Mariota threw a touchdown pass to himself that he looked himself in the playoffs. This is not the year for it. This is the year of the backup quarterback, but not the year of Marcus Mariota. And the Eagles just lost to the Giants. They got smoked by the Giants. The Eagles look terrible. Nick Sirianni's getting fired. You know, Igo used to be this big bounce-back guy. Now here we are, darn playoffs show up. I know. No longer a bounce-back guy. I'm usually a bounce-back guy. They were 10-1 and at one point. I think they have, like, just died. They pulled a Phillip. Yeah. You can't. I'm still here. You I can't might have bounce back long. if you're still dead. Here. Beat the Bills and die. All right. Anyway, NFL playoffs. ECU, SMU coming up as well. Scott Rogers randomly walking in. Scooter and, off uh, camera pick. Eagles or Bucks? Eagles. All right. Uh, there you go, Scooter. On the there Eagles for two two. All right. We got to get out of here. We'll be back Monday. We're scheduled to have Carter Cunningham, Trey Savage from ECU baseball, and we'll talk to you then. 12 noon on Monday. See you. This has been Hoist the Colors with your host, Stephen Igo. Tune in weekdays at noon for all things ECU sports. Get a recap of the show at 943thegame.com.